Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. The Medical Group Management Association recently conducted a survey of medical group practices to gauge the impact that the COVID-19 pandemic is having on them. To discuss the results of that survey, I'm joined by Anders Gilbert, Senior Vice President of Government Affairs at MGMA. Anders, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate uh, being here today. So, Anders, could you start out by telling us a bit about the practices you surveyed and what you asked them? Yeah, so... um MGMA, we have about 15,000 member medical practices, and uh, they span the entirety of of specialty, size, uh, geographic uh, location as well. So we get a pretty good diverse uh, sample when when we do surveys like this. And obviously, we're really concerned as the implications of of the COVID-19 crisis became apparent um, in terms of our our membership and the rest of the the healthcare community in terms of the immediate impact of the the pandemic itself, but also the ancillary impact, which has been a significant drop in revenue. And I know we'll talk about that more. And so, you know, in terms of this survey, since we have so many practices, a lot of our smaller practices are still independent, uh, but we have larger practices as well. In this particular survey, about 75% of the respondents are part of independent practices, and also about 75% are in practices of less than 50 physicians. And um, it's not that we don't have data from larger or hospital-owned practices, but in, in this in a case like this, we do get a lot of feedback from smaller practices who are kind of living day to day to day in terms of their cash flow in a crisis like this. And um, you know, again, what we wanted to look at is uh, to survey our membership on their practice revenue, their patient volume, you know, to to understand uh, what's going on if they're taking any steps to reduce costs and to uh, you know address any issues that they have control over in during this crisis. So, Anders, let's walk through the results. First, it looks like almost no practices have gone financially unscathed by this pandemic. What did you find out there? Yeah, that's that's definitely what we found. I, I think it was around 97% of the practices we surveyed said that they were having financial difficulty as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. And it's been abundantly clear that regardless of specialty, size, location, or patient population, that they've either felt a direct or indirect impact of, of this crisis. Yeah, and, and you know, we're, we're clearly dealing with the front lines where uh, you have uh, a need for new personal protective equipment, and um, now we're trying to get more tests out there. So there's some additional expenses, but I would say the vast majority of practices are not necessarily on the front lines, but uh, because of the situation and the concerns about uh, you know either patients coming into a practice or we've had um, a number of state governments uh, uh, shut down uh, all sort of non-essential 
uh, procedures for ambulatory surgical centers and the like. And so we found that practices were really hurting as a result of, of the current environment. And so we wanted to quantify that and, and find out a little more. So what did respondents report in terms of the impact on patient volume and revenue? So on average, uh, what we found was about a 60% decrease in patient volume and about a 55% decrease in revenue. And again, cash flow is a significant issue with medical practices. It's not, it, it's clearly an issue with hospitals as well as medical groups, but especially if you think about how um, independent practices tend to not carry over any, if, if any reserves from year to year to prevent double taxation. So there isn't a lot of um, you know, cushion for these practices. Even in the 2008-2009, where we certainly had a deep economic crisis and there was an economic hit for medical practices, we just didn't see this. We didn't see this immediate and sharp interruption in cash flow. And so it's a completely new environment that we've just never dealt with before. And, uh, you know, the obvious, again, patients are forgoing, we're worried now too, because patients are forgoing necessary preventive care and even acute care uh, for fear of exposure. And, uh, you know, the environment is such where we're hearing some positive, uh, maybe maybe this week, I would say, is that we're hearing a bit of a shift where, especially in those states where we're hearing that the governors are, are potentially opening up certain um, services, that maybe we're turning the corner. But, you know, I talked to a group of members, I have a, a bit of a focus group each week that I talk to, and, um, you know, I, the volumes are significantly down and we're, we're definitely trying to... Um, we're trying to keep up uh, with all the changes from state by state, but uh, you know it's going to be critical. For example, that there's sufficient testing to make sure that uh, the patients that when procedures resume, that patients are not COVID positive, and um, and that we can protect both the, the physicians in the practice, the staff in the practice, as well as the patients. Unfortunately, layoffs and furloughs are taking place as a result of this decline. What has happened so far and what is projected as we head into May? So many clinical and administrative staff have taken pay cuts and are deferring salaries. You know, physicians are often paid last in the structure of a medical group practice as well, whereas they pay expenses, they pay overhead, they pay staff salaries, and then at the very end, um, uh, they uh, take a salary. So physician salaries are significantly cut. But in terms of layoffs and furloughs, in addition to that, 22% uh, of practices have laid off staff at this point, 48% have furloughed staff. So, you know, furlough is more of a temporary situation. But what we ask them too is, you know, if, if these conditions persist through May, what situation would you be in? And, and, and ask the same question 30 days from now, ask them to predict. And so that the numbers bump up pretty quickly because of the interruption in cash flow. And we found that 36% of practices report that they would have to lay off staff and 60, 60% said they, they would be furloughing staff if conditions persist. So, you know, obviously we're really concerned about the, um, 
the implications of the financial implications as well as the you know the dire the clinical implications of uh, that patients face with respect to the uh, the crisis but we haven't turned a corner yet and um, you know if anything it, it, we're kind of in the middle of it still and Anders on the other side of this practices are also experiencing increased expenses um, what, what can you tell us about that yeah, we've seen some price inflation with uh, PPE, personal protective equipment. And so, you know, especially initially practices were scrambling to get masks and gowns and um, and to set up for inpatient um, in-person visits. But what we fa quickly found is that not a lot of patients want to come into the practice. Um, it, it's also highly dependent on on specialty. And in terms of increased expenses, the key shift that's taken place, and it's been a massive one over just the past month, is some practices doing no telehealth, but now they're they're scrambling to get up and running um, with new telehealth services, uh, which um, you may be aware that because of significant waivers that have been put in place by the Medicare program, as well as certain private payers, um, now, uh, in some cases, almost all office visits are being done virtually as a result of, of the crisis. And so, you know, there are different types of, the, uh, you know, telehealth that can be delivered. The more formal programs that, uh, that are vendor specific and that are integrated into an EHR and potentially even, uh, you know, a practice management system, those are significantly more costly. I mean, we have, do have some practices simply using Zoom or uh, using uh, FaceTime, but it's a little less structured and it, it's a little more difficult. So, you know, in terms of telehealth, implementing that new technology, while at the same time, in some cases, receiving lower reimbursement, that that's really been a, a difficult um, uh, contributor to to the problem here. And so, you know, you, you see that reflected in those reduced revenues. My next question is going to be predicated probably on a lot of things that none of us truly know at this point, but, uh, but I'll ask you anyway, what, what do you think physician practices can expect over the next few months as this pandemic unfolds? Well, again, we're hearing from them about what they perceive as either a hidden or a known backlog of cases that are starting to accumulate behind the scenes here because as i mentioned you know patients are either not coming in for their preventive care or they're not coming in to to get care for things that they really they should be getting uh seen by a physician in person and and so that pent-up demand is, is is a cause for concern you know while at the same time that practices will be still dealing with the implications of COVID-19 they're trying to open up to deal with that pent-up demand I think our main concern at this point is that we're going to you know if if practices have to continue to furlough or lay off staff then they're going to be hobbled to some degree and they aren't going to be able to get up and running um, as quick as they would like 
to deal with sort of a, a second wave of access issues that are going to occur when people start returning to go to the physician uh, to see their physician. And especially too, you know, if you had a small procedure that was going to be done on an outpatient setting, uh, you know, in, in some states, uh, like yeah, I, my understanding is North Carolina, perhaps Texas, they are looking at allowing some of these um, non-emergency procedures to be to begin again soon. And so practices are are looking at how how do we address that in this environment? And there are two key things I think that um, that they need in order to to um, open up and and to effectively protect patients. And one is obviously, the, the PPE that they that, that has been redirected to more important frontline uh, type of situations where patients with COVID-19 are receiving care more likely in a hospital setting. And um, the other is testing. And, and what we're seeing, at least being planned over the next few months, is that practices are looking to kind of split their practice even from a physical location, having having one area where you might have patients with COVID-19 or suspected COVID-19, but for the, you know, the other aspects of areas of the practice uh, or for smaller procedures that will need to be done over the next six months you know every patient has to be tested before that procedure is is undertaken and so the limitations on things like tests and ppe are going to to the extent that they continue they're going to also contribute to those access problems because we won't be able to do those office procedures unless we have the ability to protect the staff the patients and the physicians who are delivering the care Anders, MGMA has several resources available to help medical practices cope with this crisis. Where can people go to get them? Yeah, uh, as soon as this came out, we, um, as, as the crisis became very clear to us, uh, we, uh, we created uh, an action center. And so you can go to mgma.com slash COVID. And uh, at first, what we were doing is kind of cataloging all of the activity that was going on with the government and to some extent private payers, uh, because that was coming fast and furious. But uh, we've also kind of, as we've learned what what practices are, are are asking for, they're really asking for what financial resources are available from the government um, through the Paycheck Protection Program or potentially low interest loans, or there are some direct monies for both hospitals as well as physician practices that that HHS is distributing. So we have a couple of guides up there on that COVID Action Center. Um, one, dealing with the type of financial help that a practice can receive in the current environment. And also, because of all of the changes to telehealth, we created a number of documents to try to help practices get up and running with telehealth so they can take care of patients to the best of their ability um, and at the same time work with different insurers and payers so that those those services are covered and that they could start to mitigate the the reduction in uh, revenue that that was reported in, in the survey that they um, responded to for MGMA. We certainly appreciate all of the insights and the resources that you have available. Andrews Gilberg, thank you so much for joining us today on the Hospital Finance Podcast. Thank you.
COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.